Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message. Lord, we, thank, we thank you for meeting us here where we are. Lord, that you've been here in the presence with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Father, I thank you that your word says through the Holy Spirit you will guide and lead us into all truth. Father, there's never been a time in our lives where we've needed to know the truth more clearly than we do today. Father, I pray that you would shine a light on every lie that surrounds us, Father, and show us your truth that we may follow you. Lord, we give you all glory and all honor and all praise this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you may have a seat. We're so thankful that you are with us this morning for worship. It's my pleasure this morning to welcome uh, Pastor Joel T. Meyer from Sulphur Springs. He's the founding pastor of the Way Bible Church. It's been 20 years or over 20, right? Over 20. Over 20 years. He doesn't look that old. He's my age, but I think he started like 19 years ago, right? Um, so uh, he's, he's been very successful in preaching the gospel to that city and helping transform the lives of many there. Uh, many of you know him. He's been here a couple times now. I've, I've told him that if he ever moves to Lampasas, I'll just step aside and be his associate. Um, he's, he's, he's fantastic. And he proclaims the word of God and the gospel like no other that I know. Will you please welcome Pastor Joel T. Meyer. Thanks, buddy. Love you, bro. Come on, y'all give Pastor Chris a great big hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. Man, I love the work God is doing here in Lampasas, Texas. And as you open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 16, verse number 19, I always pray about not just the word God wants me to deliver through a message here, but is there any other word that God specifically has for the church um, here as a whole? And as I was praying for uh, you guys in New Covenant Church and all that God is doing here, um, God says you're just beginning. I know you guys have just done an awesome building project and you got the, the NCC West Campus right over there and it's gorgeous. I got a tour of it last night and man, it's an amazing place, but God is saying it's just the beginning. And I love that verse of scripture, uh, Pastor Dale, it says, expand your tent stake, spread them wide. And God, I really feel is putting a mandate on this house to go outside the city limits of Lampasas to the surrounding counties and really be a light in a dark place to the surrounding counties because you guys have something very special here that people will drive 30 minutes to get. Amen. They'll drive 45 minutes to encounter God in a place. Amen. And don't look at yourself as like, why would somebody come here? Look at yourself. Why wouldn't they come here? Right. Why wouldn't they show up here? Like, if you didn't feel the presence of God here this morning, man, come now and we will lead you to Christ. (laughs) Amen. Like, why wouldn't they come here? Man, you guys are killing it out here. And so I want to encourage you guys, do not be ashamed of what God is doing here. Be bold about it. That's why I said in first service, man, if y'all don't each grab about 20 of these stickers and put them everywhere on your car, stick them on a bathroom stall, I don't care. Like, like get out there and you guys got something that this world needs. And, you know, and don't be ashamed of it. Don't be don't be shy about it. That's probably a better word than ashamed. Because I don't believe you're ashamed of it all. I would say don't be shy about it any longer. Like for years, you probably said, well, once we get this right, once we get that right, once we get this done, once we get that done, once we get the building done. Well, what's the next thing you got to finish before you invite somebody? No, God is saying now is the time. It's like building the plane as you fly. Amen. <laughs> It's every pastor's worst nightmare, right? Like, we want to make sure it's perfect, and then they'll all show up, Chris. It ain't never going to be perfect, and they're going to, sh- they're going to show up when it's the most imperfect, right? right. And, and can you all just give your sound team a hand clap of praise? Because, like, like, five minutes before first service started, like, there was no projection working. There were no computers working. Like, we were talking, like, well, what are we going to do? We're just going to go on and worship anyway, you know? Who cares? Jesus didn't need technology. Like, we'll, we'll go with it. But man, they got it up and running and everything like that. And so I want to encourage you with the first word I have for the church is this. Do not be shy any longer. Be bold about what God is doing here at New Covenant Church. And I'm saying don't be ashamed about it. You know you got a good house, right? Don't be ashamed of the house God has given you. You got a good house where the presence of God shows up and people need it. Amen? And and um, y'all may hate me for this and may not like me for saying this, but I always tell our people, it's like, I do care where people go to church. Well, I don't care if you go to church. I don't care where you go to church. Just go somewhere. No, I know we feed good here at TWBC. Like, come here. 
Like, come to this church. Come to New Covenant Church. You got good pastors here. You got great worship here. I care where people go to church. I don't want people going to a dead building where the presence of God doesn't show up. I care. Right? You should care where your friends go to church. Now, if they're going in a part of a life-giving church, great. But there are a lot of buildings out there that have no life in them. Care where your friends go to church. Care where your family goes to church. You got something good here. And you got a great pastor in Pastor Chris. And I want to encourage you in this. God's put an anointing on his life for what in the ministry world we call, you have the front side of ministry, which is everything you see out here. The great worship band, like the preaching, the front side, all the services, the, the, the children's department. That's the front side of ministry. But there's something just as important as the front side of ministry. And that's what we call the back side. If your admin isn't in place, if your financials aren't in place, if your if your if your structures are not in place, if you're not if you're not working on that, and and Pastor Chris and and I love what he did just a month ago, went and worked with another church just trying to help them get their financials in order, right? Like there's an anointing on his life to go and help other churches with the backside of ministry, and I want you guys to encourage him to kick him out and go do it, right? You're not kicking him out as your pastor, but you want him to go and help churches develop their backside of ministry because if the backside fails, the front side's going to close the doors, right? And there's an anointing on his life that I believe that y'all need to pray into that God would continue to grow and develop for churches that are anywhere from running 30 to 40 to 50 people to 250 to 300 people. He's got a gifting on his life to go and help the backside of those ministries put great structure in place so they can move forward uh, in what God's called them to do. And this life-giving church is going to give life to other churches because the, the churches in America today, if your church attendance is over 100 people, you are considered a large church in America today. Like, that's shocking to me. Like, because you guys are still saying, yeah, we're here in Lampasas. We're just this small church. we got a good thing. You're not a small church, right? Your kids' department is almost a large church in America. That's just your kids, let alone all you guys in this room. So I want to encourage you that with Pastor Chris, pray into that for him. Like when you're just driving down the road and you think of Pastor Chris, it's because you're supposed to be praying for him. Right? And stop and just say, God, increase the anointing on his life. Increase the opportunities for him to use that anointing on his life. Increase for, bring increase to the house so Chris can go and do and accomplish the things that God has for him. And so um, as you're turning in Hebrews chapter number 6, verses 19 through 20, the title of this morning's message is called Anchor. Anchor is the title of this morning's message, and I want to read to you a de- definition of what an anchor is. And the, and the Wikipedia says this, An anchor is a device, normally made of metal, used to connect a vessel to the bed of a body of water to prevent the craft from drifting. Everybody say drifting. From drifting due to wind or current. Now, when you found Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, everybody say, I'm there. Re- listen to this. It says... And we have this sure and steadfast anchor. Everybody say anchor. We have this sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become the high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, if you study theology, your heart is in revival right now. If you don't, your heart's about to be in revival because I'm going to explain it to you. Right? So it says this. We have this sure and steadfast anchor of the what? Soul. Now that's an important term right there. We have an important term right there. It's an anchor of the soul. Because here's the deal. When you were born again, your spirit was anchored in Christ Jesus. Amen? Like you were bought with a price. The devil ain't buying you back. There's not enough stuff in the world that he could buy you back from Christ. You are bought with a price. You are now his and you belong to him. Your salvation is secure in Christ Jesus. Amen. So your soul is anchored in Jesus Christ. Amen. But the Bible says he's given us an anchor for the soul. Now, your soul consists of your mind, your will and your emotions. How many of you know your mind can drift? Hopefully it's not drifting right now. Amen. Hopefully you're focused in and zoomed in on what God's calling. Amen. You know your mind can drift. How many of you know your will can drift? 
right? January 1st, you made a resolution and you started it January 2nd because you still wanted to eat on January 1st. And so by January 5th, you're like, I'm throwing it all out the window because my job's a mess. My kids are going back to school. I can't handle it anymore. I need pizza and I need donuts. Amen. Right? Your will can drift. And 99% of all New Year's resolutions are done by January 21st. Right? It's like, it's over. I'm out. Yeah? That's why if you work out consistently, you skip January in the gym because all you newbies come and you destroy everything. And we got to wait till February to get our gym back. Right? Come on. Right? So your will can drift. Your emotions. How many of you know you ain't even got to think about it and your emotions are drifting? Like you're scrolling through Facebook. Right? Or your Instagram. Or your Twitter. Or your Snapchat. Or whatever crazy other social media is out there. Right? Like... You got friends on your Facebook that really aren't your friends that post something that you really don't like. And in about three seconds, you were just coasting along and all of a sudden, poof, like your emotions are all over the map. Right? Like, like why you got friends on your Facebook that you don't really even like is what I, my first question for you. Right? You're causing your emotions to drift and catch wind and blow. And the Bible says God has given us an anchor For our soul, this area of the mind, the will, and the emotions that drift. Okay, what is it? So you got to go back up two verses, starting before verse 19, and it talks about what those two things are. And number one, it is this. In verse number 17, it says, it is the unchangeable character of his purpose. So God has an unchangeable character of his purpose. And the great thing about that is that means when he has a purpose for you, his unchangeable character of his purpose for you means he's going to anchor you in the things of him. So his purpose for you comes to pass. The next greatest part of this anchor is this. In number two, it's verse number 18. It says it's impossible for God to lie. Man, the church ought to celebrate with that. That means if we're messing up as the church, God's not going to lie to us and say, oh, you're doing so good anyway, right? Like, like I'm not that coach to my kids' soccer team that when they play horrible, I tell them they did good. Like, y'all, we got smoked this last Friday in a game. Like, I mean, smoke, smoked. Like, I don't deal good with losing, but I also don't want the other coach to pull his best players out to give us a chance, right? Like, if I'm beating you, I'm going to beat you, beat you, right? And I'm not pulling my players out, so if I'm getting beat, I got to suck it up and it's like, don't take your best players out. My kids got to (laughs) learn, right? But I didn't lie to them after the game and say, you know, you did really good. You tried hard. I was like, y'all, there's nothing good we can take away from this game. (laughs) Like they're 11 through 13 year olds, right? You're like, I can't believe you said it. I'm not going to lie to them. But I'm going to say we're going to get better. And the great thing about God is his purpose and his character for you is so unchangeable that he's not going to lie to you about where you're missing it. He's also not going to lie to you about where you're killing it. Amen. So he's going to praise you when you're doing great. He's going to tell you when you're not so you can get back into a place of doing amazing in his kingdom. And so God says, I've given you this anchor for your soul that my unchangeable character of my purpose and it's impossible for me to lie. And here's the deal. You must anchor yourself into the word of God and the kingdom of God, if we do not anchor ourselves, even a gentle breeze can quickly turn into an unprecedented storm. Remember the purpose of an anchor is to keep you from drifting. Turn in your Bibles to over to Acts chapter number 27. Acts chapter number 27. And this is verse 13 I'm going to start reading in. And remember what I just said. If we do not anchor ourselves, even a gentle breeze can quickly turn into an unprecedented storm. And it says in verse 13 of Acts chapter 27, Now when the south wind blew gently. Everybody say gently. Gently. It wasn't a big wind. It wasn't a strong wind. Paul says when the south wind blew gently, look what happened. Supposing they had obtained their purpose, they weighed or pulled up the anchor and sailed along Crete, Close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called a nor'easter struck down from the land. It only takes a gentle breeze to cause you to drift. But when you start drifting, it's amazing how a gentle breeze can turn into an unprecedented storm. And the question I have for you is this. Have you ever drifted so far or gone through such a storm that you don't even recognize the land that you're on? Right. 
Like husbands and wives, if you've been married any length of time, like 10 years or longer. Remember that day when you woke up and you looked over at your spouse, the one you dated for three years and fell in love with. And the first five years were marital bliss. And then you had kids and it started having something. And then you look seven years later and look over. It's like, who are you? <laughs> Y'all, I'm a preacher and this happens. Right. Like I'm in the word of God all the time, reading, studying, personal quiet time. And like I looked over at my wife like seven or eight years ago. We looked at each other like, hey, roommate, how you doing? We don't even know each other. Right. So we drifted. We didn't know how we drifted. It started as a gentle breeze. We would do our thing. She would do her thing. I would do my thing. I would do certain things around the house. She would do certain things around. We had a good co-working relationship. But we looked over at each other and said, who are you? Like, I'm glad you keep the house clean, Joel. I'm glad you cook dinner, Sherry. It's awesome. We got a great working relationship. God didn't get us together to have a working relationship. He wants the relationship to work. But he wants me to know the person I fell in love with. And we drifted. How about this? You get those first wonderful blessings from God called children. And you know when you've drifted. You know when you've drifted because you look at each other and say, you know that kid of yours? And then she looks back at me and says, yeah, the kid that's your fault. (laughs) Right? You drifted. And you start saying they're the other person's kid. Have you ever woke up at a time in your life and you're like, where in the world? How did I end up here? Financially, you can drift, right? Right? Hey, honey, we really need this. Yeah, I know. So let's just use this credit card. Just this. But we probably we promised each other, guys, we would only use it in a case of an emergency. I don't know how 15 transactions later and ten thousand dollars on the credit card equaled emergencies in one time. But we drifted from where we said we would be. Like like here's a big deal right now. If you're if you're between 17 and 23 in the room, just hold your hand up real high, like 17 and 23. All right. We got some 17 and 23 year olds in the room. We got two of them. But here's the big deal. I'm not going to call you out and like bring you to the front. Like, but here's the thing right now. Like when you're 17 and you're a junior in high school, you're starting to think and all the people are asking you these questions and all the adults are saying, aren't you so excited about your senior year? And they're feeling obligated to say, oh, yes, I'm so excited when really on the inside they're freaking out because they don't know what they're going to do. And you're really what they're thinking you're asking them is the next question. Well, what are you going to do with your life? Right. And they feel obligated to give an answer that they don't have an answer for. But because you're the one putting the pressure on them that they're so responsible and doing so great, they feel the pressure to give you an answer. And there's a real syndrome uh, between 17-year-olds and 23- and 24-year-olds called the imposter syndrome where they feel like there's the pressure on the world making them be something that they really don't know if they are or not. And they're adopting a false identity to impress people that they really don't know if it's them or not. And here's the thing about being a believer in this. Many of us struggle with the same thing as a believer. Oh, how's your life going? How is your evening? Oh, it's been great. And on the inside, you're thinking, I haven't heard from God in four weeks. But I'm in church and I got to tell people life is good. No, actually, when you come to this house, you need to say if your life is not good. You know, it's really not good at the altar call day. Would you walk with me to the front and let's pray together? Come on, somebody. That should cause revival. Right. But we feel the pressure of telling everybody our life is good. Our spiritual walk is good. Like we're good with God. When some of us literally we're just crying out saying, God, would you just speak so that I know it's you? And here's what I want to tell you. If you're in that place today. God is speaking to you. And if you're concerned with how you're not hearing him. Sometimes you just got to make the decision that I'm going to believe in him even when I don't hear him. I'm going to believe in him even when I do hear him. I'm going to decide to stay married when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. I'm going to decide to stay financially free when it's convenient and when I think it's an emergency to buy them golf clubs that I really don't need because I got a new set for Christmas last year. And I'm going to make a decision. 
See, some of the things about hearing from God and putting God in a place in your life where you can actually hear from Him and you don't feel like you're living in this imposter syndrome life means I'm going to make a decision based on what God's Word says, not, not what on I feel about something in my life. And so as we go through this message today, have you ever drifted or gone so far through such a storm that you don't even recognize the land that you're on? And what started as a temptation has now become a tempest storm in your life. What started as something small is now no longer small. The tempest is no longer a test, but it's the fight for your life. Listen to what verse 20 says in Acts chapter 27. Paul was in the middle of this storm and it says, We didn't see the sun nor the stars for many days and no small tempest lay on us. All hope of us being saved was at last abandoned. Y'all, this is the Apostle Paul. So you're not in the boat by yourself. This is the Apostle Paul. He said, I hadn't seen the sun for days. I hadn't seen the stars for days. This is in a small storm. This is one of the biggest storms I've ever been in in my life. And listen, everybody's lost hope. It says, all our hope of being saved, Paul's included, was abandoned in that. They missed the anchor back in Crete. Now they're at the mercy of the storm about to head to Malta. They missed the anchor. Now they're at the mercy of the storm. And here's what I want to tell you, how this equates to your life physically and spiritually and in the area of your mind, will and emotions, because it's the anchor to your soul. The same devil that minimizes the sin to get you into the storm is the same devil that now compounds the shame that keeps you from repenting. The same devil. Some of y'all need to take a picture of this because this is what's happening in your life. It's the same devil that minimized the sin. It's just one drink. It's just one click. It's just one pill. It's just one swipe. It's just one. It's just this. It's just that. It's always, it's just, he minimizes the sin to get you into the storm. But now that you're in the storm of your life and it wasn't just one click, it was several clicks. And now you realize you got a problem. It wasn't just one pill. It's been several pills. And now you got a problem. It wasn't just one drink. It's several drinks. And now you got a problem. The same devil that minimized the one to get you into the storm. He's compounding the shame saying, see, you're not even worthy to walk through the doors of new covenant church because of what you've been continually doing. And the storm And the shame are keeping you from the Savior who can rescue you from the sin and the storm and the shame. Y'all, this is serious. Because this is how it works in life. Listen, ask anybody who's gone through a marital affair. The marital affair, the affair wasn't paved, uh, the road to an affair wasn't paved overnight. It was paved one pebble at a time. The glance, the flirt, the exchange, the smile, the elongated talk at the water cooler. Three years later, you realize you're in the storm of your life fighting for your marriage and not sure if you even want to stay in it. I've seen it happen all too many times. The same devil that minimizes the sin to get you into the storm now wants to compound the shame to tell you you're not worthy to be where God's called you to be. See, Malta represents the place of a land you never intended to be on. Where does Malta come in? Let's read this real quick in Acts chapter number 27. Verse number 43, the Bible says, But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. So the pilot or the captain of the ship wanted to kill Paul. The centurion wanted to save Paul. The centurion kept them from carrying out their plan. And it says, he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard and first make, make for the land and the rest on planks and pieces of the ship so that it was, they were all brought to land safely. Now listen to this. After they were brought safely to land, when they learned that the island was called Malta, everybody say Malta. The native people showed them unusual kindness, for they kindled fire and welcomed us all. But it had begun to rain, and it was cold. Paul gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, and a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself to his hand. Now, you want to talk about a bad season, not just a bad day, right? 
like, like Paul wasn't even supposed to be arrested to be on the boat, to be on the, the, the ship that took up the anchors that now was in a storm that now is about to crash and got crashed. And now they landed on Malta and it wasn't just getting to Malta. They're building a fire because they finally survived. And now he gets bit by a snake. Like, like that's a bad three weeks. Right? That, that's a bad winter. And some of you are in a bad season, not just a bad day. Some of you are in a tough season of life. And you're struggling to hear from God. You resonate with Paul when he says, I haven't seen the sun or the moon. Just give me one or the other. I hadn't seen the sun or the moon in days. And no small storm has been laid upon us. It goes on to say, when the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand. Listen, it just didn't bite him. Like It's just like, I'm going to latch on. It was hanging from his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Now, in the neighborhood of that place were the lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publis, who received us from who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publis lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and laid hands on him or visited him and prayed and putting hands on him healed him. And when he had, and when this had taken place, the rest of the people of the island who had diseases came and were cured. They also honored us greatly. And when they were about to sail, they put on, they put on board whatever we needed. When you're in this type of season of life, when you're in this type of storm that you're going through, when it doesn't seem like it's ever going to end and it's constantly, it's, it's unrelenting and it keeps crashing over and over, I want to encourage you with this statement. Our feelings always want a reason, but God is trying to give us a revelation. Look at this. Our feelings want a reason. Pastor Chris, when something doesn't go right, my feelings want a reason. Why did you do that? And sometimes, guys, there's no answer. Here's the problem. We always want an answer. Our feelings want an answer. But listen, God's trying to give us a revelation. See, our feelings want a reason for why something's going on. In everything going on in the world today, in America today, all around this planet today, everybody wants a reason for why we're going through what we're going through. What if there's not a reason? What if we still live in a fallen, broken, sin-trodden world that the enemy is coming to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's doing it by any method, any motion, any madness that he can create to make it happen. But Jesus is trying to get us to the revelation, no matter how bad it gets out there, I am still the way, the truth, and the life. And you can still get to the Father through me. What if there's not a reason, but he's trying to bring a revelation of who we're called to be? Because sometimes there's not an answer. Sometimes there's not an answer for what you're going through. Listen, Malta represents a place. Listen to this. That you must get a revelation of it because you'll never find a reason for it. You must get a revelation of it. Listen, guys, I don't know if we'll ever find a reason for all the things that we're going through. But I'm going to get a revelation in the middle of it. And I'm going to figure out how to bring God in the middle of it. And I'm going to hear what God's saying about it rather than my feelings needing a reason for it. And we got to get past this emotions and dealing with things with our feelings. Because the Bible says that we're anchored in Christ Jesus by our spirit being saved. But we must anchor our soul in the unchangeable purpose of God. And God knowing that, and we know that God cannot lie. So we know those two things together. I can anchor this part of my soul, which wants a reason from feelings, into God and bypass the reason. And go to Him and get a revelation to bring about a kingdom movement in your Malta, whatever that may be. Malta can represent a lot of things. Darla can represent a place of pain and loss. I don't know why loved ones go home to be with the Lord early. I don't. I don't have an answer for you. But pastor, we're supposed to have answers. I don't have an answer for you. See, your feelings want a reason. 
When the only thing I can tell you is the Bible says, blessed are you when you mourn, for you will be comforted. And in that moment of your wanting a reason for your feeling, God says there's a blessing in the midst of the mourning that God can now show himself to you faithful in a way that he never could before if this circumstance hadn't happened. It doesn't mean God caused the circumstance, but now that the circumstance has occurred, God can show an attribute of himself to you in your life different than he ever had if you hadn't been going through it. Quit looking for a reason. Start finding a revelation of who God's trying to show you who he is in your life. Come on. Yeah, give him a hand clap of praise. Come on. If it's not more than a feeling, you will live in misery on your Malta. Okay? I don't have all the answers. But if your Christian walk is not more than a feeling, you're going to live in misery the rest of your life Right here in Lampasas, Texas, thinking God has no purpose for you. When we just read, an anchor for your soul is this. It's the unchangeable nature, uh, uh, the unchangeable character of His purpose. Meaning for you, the body of Christ. So there's an unchangeable character of His purpose for you. But if you're so busy focusing on Malta and how you got there, looking for a reason for your feeling, and never pressing into the revelation of what God can do now, you're going to live in misery on Malta the rest of your life. And you got to pinpoint this morning, what is my Malta that I'm camping out and crying about? Then I'm going to say, God, show me a revelation because I'll never be satisfied with a reason. Show me a revelation because I'll never be satisfied with a reason. Your journey with Jesus is more than a feeling. It's a decision made by faith. It's more than a feeling. And this is why when I gave that word earlier this morning to the church... You know what I didn't say? I didn't say this. I didn't say, I feel God is saying this to New Covenant Church. Because the problem with saying that is this. The problem with saying that is we're putting attributes or we're putting things on, on what God said that Jesus would never have done. When did Jesus ever say, hey, I really feel that God wants to heal your blind eyes? No, he didn't. And we in the church world, we want to justify our mistakes, Right? And so we'll bring feelings into it saying, I really feel that God is saying this when if I haven't heard from God, I'm not going to give you a word from God. And we got to quit cheapskating our Christian walk. Listen, Jesus never said, I feel God is doing this. He said, I only do what I see my father doing. This is this is the most revolutionary thing in your life when you'll quit going by feelings Especially unanchored ones. When you'll quit going by feelings, especially unanchored ones. And you'll start saying, God, get me past the reason and get me to a revelation because I now want to see with the eyes of my spirit. I want to see what you're doing, God, and not what the world's got going on. Because here's the deal. We're always praying for God to come down and be in the midst of our storm when God's calling us from our storm to come into his presence. And here's the scary thing for us. We're more comfortable calling God into our storm than we are going into his presence. But when we call God into our storm, it's because we want a reason for our feeling. When we go out of our storm into his presence, we want a revelation for how we change Malta. I'm going to close with this. If you base your life and hearing from God on a feeling of what he's saying and not faith in what he is actually doing, you will curse the new landing of your life. You'll curse it. If you don't base your life and hearing from God, if you base your life and hearing from God on a feeling and not on what God is saying and what he's doing, you will curse the new landing of your life. When you go to Malta, Malta is the place of misery that you were never supposed to be at. The place of misery that you never intended to be. The place in your marriage that you never thought you would be. The place when you're 17 years old thinking, I believed in Jesus. I was born again when I was 13 and I had an encounter with him. But now I don't even know if I'm a Christian any longer. It's that place in life you never thought you would be, but somehow you're there. Gosh, when me and my wife lost our baby seven years ago, we never thought we would be in that place. But we found ourselves broken. We found ourselves in a place of misery. 
And y'all, we had to get past the feelings of hurt and pain and find a revelation because there wasn't a reason for it. Y'all, we're faith people. We prayed. We gathered the elders. We laid hands. We did all the stuff. And it didn't fix it, Chris. I mean, he's still alive now in heaven. And I can't wait to see our baby. But it doesn't give me joy in the moment when I'm going through the pain. So me and my wife realized we've got to find a... We're not going to live in misery on Malta. We found ourselves in a place we never thought we would be. Evan, like, like we found ourselves in this place we never thought we would be. But in that moment, we said, we're going to call on God. And we're not going to call God into our storm. We're going to step up and go into His presence. And y'all, me and my wife, we prayed in the car. As soon as we found out that our baby was no longer with us. And y'all, I can't even explain it. The misery of Malta transcended into Philippians and the peace that passes all understanding. Like, we cried and laughed all at the same time, Chris. We were broken, but there was a joy. And I can't explain it to this day. And we still had to go through the worst labor and delivery ever and all this stuff. It still had to come. But in that moment, we shifted our misery from Malta into His presence that passes all understanding. And in that moment, there was a peace that entered our car that we can't describe to this day. When you find yourself in that place, God can do two things when you're on Malta. He can do two things. He can change your surroundings or He can change your attitude. But what if He changes your surroundings by changing your attitude? See, He could have changed our surroundings and brought the baby back to life. Or He could have changed our attitude, our spiritual setting with Him, which is what He did. But when He changed our spiritual setting, it actually changed our surroundings. So Paul didn't get off Malta immediately. But when he kept his spirit right, it changed his surroundings. Could the answer to your prayer be a definition rather than an intervention? See, we always want God to come in in an intervention, right? Like it's bad, God intervene. Bad, God do something. Bad, God come off your throne. Bad, God, I need you to come in in power. Bad, God, I know how you sent an angel and you got Paul and Silas out of prison. I need that intervention. What if the work of God is not in an intervention, but it's in a definition? We've been talking about the misery of Malta all morning. But listen to what Malta means in the Latin. In Latin, Malta Malta means refuge. In Greek, Malta means honey. What if the misery of your Malta, if God gives you a definition change rather than an intervention change, if he changes your definition of Malta and the misery of Malta to your sweet place of refuge rather than the place of misery? This is why I love this song we sang so much this morning. Fire and wind, come do it again. Come rest on us. Because it doesn't matter how far you've journeyed from Christ. It doesn't matter where your walk is with Christ. It doesn't matter if you just came off the greatest day ever in your walk with Christ yesterday. It doesn't matter if you walked in here this morning saying, God, if you don't touch me immediately, I'll, I'll be leaving you eternally, right? It doesn't matter where you're at. Because if as we sing fire and wind, come do it again. What if he gives you a new definition to where you're at? What if, if you haven't heard his voice in a while, he says, I'm calling you to grow deeper rather than grow taller. What if this isn't a storm at all? It's actually me anchoring you for what's ahead. I want everybody to stand this morning. So what's our first step? What's our first step in this whole process? Hebrews tells us this. It says, looking to Jesus always a great place to start. Amen. I don't care if you don't know Christ at all this morning or if you've known Christ for years. The answer is the same for everybody in the room. Look to Jesus. If you've never made Christ Lord and Savior of your life, in a minute when we begin to play this song, I want you to go to Pastor Daryl and Miss Connie over here. And with that, they want to lead you to Christ if you've never made Christ Lord and Savior of your life. Or if you just say, I need a fresh commitment to Christ. You know, I've been going by feelings. I want, a, I want a feeling and I want to hear God through a feeling.
But maybe you need to hear God through making a decision. If you need to rededicate your life or sell out, is like we would call it. Go over to Pastor Daryl. They want to pray with you. They want to walk with you through this. You don't have to go through it alone. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What was the joy that was set before him that made him go to the cross? The joy that was physically set before him in the moment was Mary, Martha, the Apostle John. But the true joy that was set before him that he went to the cross was he didn't just see Mary, Martha and John. He saw me. He saw Chris. He saw Daryl. He saw you. He saw Evan. He saw your unborn baby. He saw you over here that are trying to figure out life. He saw you. And for that joy, when he saw your face, he said, I'm going to the cross. So they have a purpose and they can depend on the unchanging character of God's purpose, knowing that God will not lie because I'm going to the cross to prove once and for all for the joy set before him and I like it that my name starts with a J because I say for the Joel set before him because I was set before him he endured the cross and it was a joy for him to do it I don't fathom it I can't comprehend it Jesus didn't need a reason to go to the cross Because he already had a revelation of you. And here's how I want to close this service this morning. With Pastor Chris's permission. Is when we begin to sing this song. If you want to make Christ Lord and Savior of your life. I want you to take a step of faith and go pray over here. With these pastors. But there's a lot of us stuck in Malta. There's a lot of us feeling like we're stuck on a ship. There's a lot of us who know we've pulled anchors when we should have dropped anchors. There's a lot of us drifting in our Christian walk. There's a lot of us wondering and having questions. And listen, Pastor Joel is one of those people. Like, y'all, I get bombarded with so many questions that I don't even know how to answer. And I need a revelation, not just a reason. I need a revelation in my life. Like, we, we as pastors have gone through hell the last year and a half. Like, we don't need a reason anymore. We need revelation. So when I stand before you, I'm not telling you my marriage is bad, my kids are bad. I need Jesus to give me greater revelation how to lead a kingdom movement. And my life is in a great place right now. But you know, there's still pressure. There's the pressure of ministry. There's the pressure of, of things. There's all the stuff that we got to have answers for. And so you know what? I'm standing before you now saying, as soon as we begin to sing the song, I'm going to turn around and say, Jesus, I'm coming to you for revelation because I'm out of reasons. And I'm going to be the first to take a step of faith and come to the altar. But here's the thing this morning. If you're struggling in any area of your life, if you're struggling with the sin, the storm, the shame, I'm going to count to three in just a minute as I pray a prayer. And I'm going to ask, if you're struggling with any of those things that I've mentioned, just hold your hand up real high. And then as we begin to sing, I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith. A lot of us want a pastor to pray for our problem, right? You have authority to pray. You have authority to go out of the storm into the presence. So I'm going to ask you to take the step of faith for your life in just a minute. And your pastors are going to pray over you and all that good stuff. But here's the thing. The answer is the same in the room for those who are lost and those who are saved. If you don't know Christ and you want to know Christ Jesus this morning, I'm telling you just look to Jesus. And when I count to three in just a minute, I want you to hold your hand up high. If you're born again in the room and you need to look to Jesus because you're drifting or you're in sin or a storm or shame or you're on Malta in the place of misery and we've gone all across every gamut this morning. If that's you, I just want you to be bold and hold your hand up real high in just a minute. Because the house of God isn't for people who are already perfect. It's for people who know they need to look to Jesus again. And you know, I want to look to Jesus again. So here we go. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I believe there's people in the room who really want to hear from God. And I'm telling you just if you'll shoot your hand up boldly, God will do something in your life. He's going to heal marriages. He's going to heal relationship with kids. He's going to heal careers. He's going to change some careers. He's going to bring some of you out of misery into the manifestation of your prayer. He's going to change some of your surroundings by changing some of your attitudes. If it's any of those things, here we go. When I count to three, hold your hand up real high. Ready? One, two, three. Shoot that hand up real high if that's you. And I'm going to pray a quick prayer over you. When I say amen, I want you to step out by faith and come to the altar. 
And then as they're wrapping up this song, I'll pray a closing prayer over us all again. Heavenly Father, you see the hands that are raised. This means, Jesus, we look to you, the author and the finisher and the perfecter of our faith, who the joy set before you, you endured the cross for us so we could get out of the sin, out of the storm, out of the shame, out of the misery of Malta that we're in and come to you, the place of sweet refuge in our life. If you need to make a decision for Christ, go to Pastor Daryl. If your hand's up for any other reason, I want you to come to the altar by faith and let God move in your life as we sing this song. Get ready to move. Here we go. Three, two, one. Step out by faith. Join me up here. Let's worship Him together. Heavenly Father, we love you. We come before you and I thank you for the ones who took a step of faith and came up. Thank you for the ones who are in their seat praying over all the ones up here. Lord God, we declare now in the name of Jesus and by you, Holy Spirit, that right now the power of sin, the power of the storm, the power of shame and the misery of Malta are broken off our life in the name of Jesus. We are healed and restored, nothing missing, nothing broken, and we leave the place of misery and go into the place of sweet refuge. Holy Spirit, seal today what you, Jesus, have done in our life as we all give God a great big hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen. Wasn't that good news? That's the, the word gospel just means good news. And we heard the good news of Jesus Christ this morning. Thank you, Pastor Joel.
I've just got, uh, well, first of all, my prayer is just that everyone walks out of here with a revelation today. Uh, you know, we can, we can preach all day, Pastor Joel, uh, but what I told people is I could, I could counsel you for months, and that wouldn't add up to you hearing one word from God. When you know he's spoken to you, that changes everything. That's your anchor. That will hold you and keep you through anything. And that's what we all need, a revelation. We ask for that. We're believing for that. And I know many of you already, I think, received one. Well, before we go this morning, I just want to one more time remind you that next Sunday we have a Connect class in our conference room. It's just in this corner. Back over there, um, it'll be during the 10.30 a.m. service. If you want to learn more about New Covenant Church and uh, just hear about us, Luther wants to learn more. <laughs> um, but we would love to connect with you, show how you can be part of this body and get connected. Uh, that's going to be a four-week class starting next Sunday in our 10.30 service, so you still have the opportunity to come to the 9 a.m. service. Uh, also, I want to say thank you to our safety team members you know, uh, you may not even see them or notice them, but they're here every week taking care of us and making sure uh, you're safe, your kids are safe. Um, and, and this is an area that we've lost a few volunteers, and I know some of you uh, who have been coming for a little while but maybe haven't connected. I just want to throw that out there that if you've been praying about where you might be connected, uh, just prayerfully consider being on our safety team. And if you are interested in that, just talk to Pastor Daryl or I. And then um, this coming Saturday... Uh, we At 7 p.m., we have a throne room encounter. We've been doing those for a little over a year, and it's just an hour of worship and praising our Father in Heaven. If you haven't been to one of those, I highly recommend it. Um, we do it from 7 to 8. You've still got time to go do other stuff afterward, but I, I, it, it's a wonderful time of just being in the presence of the Lord. So that's this Saturday at 7 p.m. Tonight we've got our regular youth uh, in middle school uh, in NCC West at 4.30. We'll have our regular life groups and children's ministry on Wednesday night, uh, so you can participate in those things. Also, just want to remind you that at NCC we don't ever pass an offering plate. We've got offering boxes on the back wall and in the foyer and over here. And just wanted to share Second Corinthians 9-7 with you. It says, uh, each one of us must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There's plenty of scriptures in the Bible that talks about giving, but it, we get more out of it than, than uh, anyone else does when we give. And it's just a, a, a way that God has set in place for us to be developed and to grow because he's, uh, he owns it all. He, it's all his. Um, and so what we give back is just returning a portion of what's his back to him. I uh, also wanted to say if anyone uh, here did accept Jesus Christ for the, their, as their Lord and Savior for the first time, we have this book, Ten Steps Toward Christ. There's stacks of them in the foyer. Uh, please pick one of those up and read it and let us know because we want to walk with you in your walk in faith. Thank you all for being here with us this morning. God bless you all and you all have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to this week's message.